Vince says that because that's my occupation. I teach mathematics. You can imagine I'm incredibly, is that right-brained? I don't know. Is that, that's right-brained, right? The rational, logical side. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's usually pretty rare to have somebody teach on the gifts who's incredibly analytical. And so I hope this brings in a different approach for you. Um, you know, my, my, no, when I got into this stuff, I didn't have anybody to instruct me. My uh, introduction to the gifts of the Spirit was uh, mostly because of evangelism. I think I talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, how many of you were here last Thursday? And I, I told the story about my first healing, the guy who uh, was homeless, and I looked at him and said, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. So that, that's because, uh, like I said, I'm very literal, right? Very analytical. So when I see something done, I automatically go into formula mode. And so I have to kind of break myself of that habit when, I'm, um, when, I, when I was learning about the gifts. But uh, tonight, we are talking about the gift of tongues, and we're going to talk about the gift of interpretation. How many of you have ever done that in a church? Okay, there's a few of you. Isn't that interesting? Open up to Corinthians uh, 14.26. I'm just going to give you a real quick primer, okay? This, this isn't even part of the message. I'm just going to jump in here first, though. 1 Corinthians 14.26. Then we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians a whole lot. So you might just want to keep your finger there, specifically the chapters 12 and chapter 14. So if you've got like a piece of paper, or like a thousand pieces of paper like I do in my Bible, you got lots of bookmarks. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, So then when you assemble together, one has a psalm, one has a teaching, one has a tongue, one has an interpretation, and one has a revelation. All things are done for the edification of the body. Now, how many of you have done that exact thing in your church? See, like maybe one hand go up, and it's kind of like halfway up there. So, so there's a few of you who have done that in your church. Now, why is that? It says right there, when you assemble together, you do those things, right? Paul's giving you a framework for what it looks like when believers come together. Yet most of you in this room are telling me that you haven't experienced that. Why is that? Does anybody else find that slightly peculiar? Yeah, thank you. The implied answer is yes. Thank you. Just everybody nod your heads. That's a good church. <laughs> I stole that joke. I'm not going to pretend like that's mine. Um, no, as a matter of fact, I've never experienced that either. But it says right there that you're supposed to do that. So, I mean, what What happened? Somewhere along the lines, we, along, the, along history, we've left behind these gifts, uh, specifically tongues interpretation. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I, can, I can tell you that the only times I've seen that happen is maybe in a random Pentecostal church that I visited where someone who is kind of unknown just randomly stands up from out in the audience and starts speaking in a tongue. And then some other random person gets up and starts speaking, speaking in King James English. As if God speaks to us in King James English today. I don't understand that. Like, he's not going to use your language to speak to you. Uh, I mean, it might as well be in, uh, in Greek or Hebrew. I mean, if that, that's the language the Scriptures were written in, right? So why not? Um, well, I, I, for me, that hasn't always been a productive model for seeing these gifts exercised. How many of you would go to a church and, uh, and the pastor gets up in front of everybody and says, Okay, who would like to give the sermon today? Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, does it? That's because we have kind of a standard for what we expect the gifts to look like. We have a standard for the gift of teaching. 
we expect it to be uh, on a certain level with a certain, you know, bit of academic, you know, proficiency. Uh, in the same way, we don't just let anybody get up and, and do that or get up and lead us in worship. We shouldn't just let anybody get up and speak in tongues or anybody get up and prophesy because we should have a standard for what those gifts look like. And all too often, we've taken those gifts, the gifts of interpretation, tongues, prophecy, and we've let them down here. We've kept the gift of teaching way up here. Now, what I want to do is I don't want to lose the gift of teaching. I want to bring those other gifts up on level with, with, uh, with teaching. I think they should all have a high standard. But in home churches and home groups, that's a great place to, to practice those gifts and learn about them, or in groups settings like this, where we're going to actually talk about the gifts and practice them as a group. How many of you would like to see that happen tonight? How many of you would like to see uh, someone speak in tongues and interpret? Okay. Now, I've actually brought someone with me who's got the gift of interpretation, and, uh, and then I'm going to speak in tongues, and then I'm also going to get some other people to do that. Sound like fun? What's going to happen is you're going to discover in this room that someone is going to speak in tongues, and you might even understand it yourself. I've done this in groups uh, all over the world now, and uh, actually had people go, I understood what you were saying. How am I doing this? I didn't know this. As a matter of fact, my introduction into tongues interpretation uh, started about two years after I had first started to believe in the miraculous gifts. The gifts mentioned in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, there's nine gifts mentioned. Um, when I, about two years after I had begun to believe these things, uh, I was just experimenting with some friends. And I was praying over a friend of mine, um, and I, I had been trying to get him to let me pray over him. He'd been going through a fairly traumatic emotional experience. He and his girlfriend had just broken up. They'd been together for like five, six years, I don't know, a long time. And so he wasn't doing very well. And I had just recently begun to experience sort of an outpouring of the Spirit where God was giving us new gifts of the Spirit and causing some gifts to grow. You know, it says in, uh, in 2 Timothy 1.6, set aflame again the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's telling him to stoke into fire the gift that he was given when, when Paul laid his hands on him. So that's what we were doing. We were just kind of I mean, again, I, I didn't have a mentor into these things. For the first two years of believing in this stuff, I was kind of on my own, and so I would just experiment. Now, I had convinced my buddy, Adam, to come over and let me pray for him. Well, I had this other kid named Gabe who, who um, he and I would speak in tongues, and Gabe was very proficient in the prophetic, and uh, we had convinced him to come over and let us pray for him because I felt like it would bring him a lot of comfort. So it was supposed to be the next day around 3 o'clock. We're sitting there around th- around. 3.30, and Adam hadn't shown up. And so I'm looking at my watch going, what is the deal? So I call Adam up, and I said, hey, you're supposed to be here. I said, what happened? I said, oh, you know, um, well, I was talking to my mom, and she said, well, you guys are going to speak in tongues, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, she said that you're not supposed to do that unless there's someone to interpret. And I thought about it, and I was like, well, you know, it's kind of true. Paul does kind of talk about having interpretation, so, eh. Like, dude, listen, man, just come over. I was like, you trust me, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, so what? You hear some words, you don't understand what they mean, big deal, you move on, right? Or God could do something. He could change your life. So just come over, just trust me. So after convincing him to come over, he, uh, he shows up, and we talk to him a little bit about the gifts of spirit. And then uh, my buddy Gabe and I lay hands on him, and I begin to speak in tongues. Now, Adam starts to cry. 
and I see his eyes beginning to tear up, and, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, guy's in some sin. He's starting to hear us, this language, and he's hearing this language, he's going, oh my gosh, this stuff is real. And so he's feeling guilty and shameful, and I said, uh, Adam, are you, are you okay? He goes, yeah. And you're, you're crying. Yeah. Well, what's going on? He goes, do you know what you're saying? No, not really. Because you don't understand any of that. I said, no, Adam, I don't. And then he turned to Gabe and he goes, you didn't understand any of that. He goes, no. Oh, my gosh. And he just starts bawling, crying. I look at him, I'm like, uh, Adam, do you know what we're saying? He goes, yeah, I know. You guys don't understand any of that? I said, no, dude, what were we saying? And he goes on to tell me what we were saying. He said that when I was praying, I was saying things to him that only a brother would say to another brother in the most intimate of times. And that's why he was crying. I must have had the spirit of stupid on me or something. Uh, he was crying because I was saying very personal things to him, and he was able to understand it, but I had no idea. He said that when my friend Gabe was praying over him, he was talking about the blood of Jesus and how it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now imagine that. What's interesting is that Adam wasn't supposed to come over because there was not an interpreter. I'm telling you, God really has a good sense of humor. I'm convinced that these things are supposed to be fun, that the controversy over them is also because they're supposed to be very powerful. And the last thing the devil wants to see is an empowered bride, because we're supposed to be treading on serpents, aren't we? And this is the means by which we do that. They're called the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was leaving, he told the disciples, go wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So then you will be clothed in power and you can be my witnesses. So what was needed for the witness? Power. Well, they go and wait at Pentecost. Uh, They go and wait in Jerusalem. They pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then at Pentecost, they they see these tongues of fire descend on them, on each one of them. And they each get a different tongue a language, and they began to speak, and people from all around, Jews from every part of the world, now realize the Jews had been completely completely dispersed amongst the cities and the nations, and they would come back to Jerusalem for Pentecost, for this big celebration, and so right in the midst of this gathering, the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the apostles and, and the 70 that were there, and, and all of a sudden, they're all speaking in these languages, and people from all over begin to understand them. Let's look at that text. This is in Acts 2. Two one. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. Now that's got to be the weirdest thing in the world to see. 
I don't think it was a literal tongue. That was a joke. It was a big flop, actually. Um, it says that the, uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Perga, I can't pronounce that one, Egypt, the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? Isn't that crazy? God's primary way of reaching out to all the Jews was to take his team, his team of men, put power on them, and that power came in the form of new languages. Uh, what's also cool about this is you, you see um, God doing a major work of redemption. There was this point in time in the Old Testament, back in, the, in I guess, early history, when these guys in the city had called Babel, they had decided to build a tower to reach God. God saw what they were doing. He was not pleased with this because he knew that nothing would be impossible with them if they were able to pull this off. And so he disperses them with new languages so that none of them could understand each other anymore. Now here at Pentecost, the the Christ has come. He's died for, for our salvation. His blood was shed to save us from our sins. He rose from the dead with a promise to give us new life. You see the work of redemption being taken place, right? We're all supposed to die at some point. Now we're all going to be born again, right? We're going to be raised from the dead. And then he reverses what took place at Babel. Now it's okay that nothing is impossible for us. Get a common language. You see, God is actually trying to unite people from every tribe and every nation not too long from this, the, uh, the people who were not Jews, who were not part of the kingdom of heaven at that time, would be able to get entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And they would receive the same gift of tongues that uh, the apostles got and the prophetic. So we see in this instance, we see tongues is an actual language being spoken. People understood the meaning of these languages. Now, there's, there's a lot of different teaching on tongues, um, and, and it's, I'd say it's a fairly controversial uh, gift. Now, my hope is to, I'm going to give you my position on this, but I want you to have the freedom to disagree with me, okay? I do not believe that this gift should be a, a uh, cause for division. Now, if we were talking about Jesus, his works, the atonement, and we were having debates about that, now, that would be a serious issue. This is not a serious issue. This is a periphery one. And so with that, we have room to disagree, Okay. I'm going to teach you my position. I'm going to give you freedom to disagree with me. And I'll even give you a little bit of time at the end of this, or not at the end, well, close to the end, to ask a few questions, and I'll give you my response, okay? But this is just right now. This is what I've learned. Um, So in my opinion, tongues is a known language, or at least it is if you just read the book of Luke, or the book of Acts written by Luke. 
But when you hear Paul talk about it, he gives a slightly different definition. And he would say that tongues is not just a language. It could be angelic or it could be something completely unknown. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, One who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands. So here he's talking about the gift of tongues, and he's saying no one understands it. Now, if you emphasize that word no one, that literally means no one, no one present, right? So it's a language that's a very personal language for that person, and no one will understand it. The only way anyone will understand it is if they have a gift of interpretation. So I I tend to fall on both sides on this. It can be something that is known somewhere on the earth or something that is not known anywhere on the earth. Now, I know that this happens because I've actually spoken in tongues, and I've had someone understand the words that were coming out of my mouth in Portuguese. I don't know Portuguese, okay? So God has given me an opportunity to speak a language that I don't know in order to bring about an encouragement for the group of people that I was with. And I can tell that story some other time. But uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to move on and and keep getting into this. Now, let's talk about the function of of tongues. Why did God decide to give us a a language that most of us don't even understand? What was the point of that? Paul says in Corinthians 14, the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So you see right, right there that the purpose of tongues is as a mode for prayer. Uh, now, And that makes sense because when you read Romans, Paul talks about how sometimes when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Now, I don't, know, I don't necessarily believe that that's talking about tongues. It says groans too deep for, for understanding. So it could be something else. But the implication is, is that the Holy Spirit will give us, he'll help us when we don't know how to pray. And so why not give us a language to pray with? You also read in Proverbs, um, let me see, Proverbs 20, verse 27, the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord, searching out his innermost parts of his being. Now, why, why would he say that the spirit of a man is the, is the candlestick or lamp of the Lord? Unless what's taking place, now, now you can also make the argument that praying in the spirit, Paul says this, he says he prays with his spirit, he prays with his mind. He prays in his tongue. He prays in his native language. So to pray in the Spirit, at least in the book of Corinthians, he's saying that when you speak in tongues, it's your spirit that's speaking. You're not speaking from your mind. You're speaking of the place of your spirit. Now, it says that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching out his innermost being. That word innermost being literally means belly. So, When you're speaking in your spirit, you're not actually using this noggin up here. You're using your spirit that supposedly takes place somewhere in the belly. I don't know how this works. Metaphysically, we're talking about the interaction between spirit and flesh and somewhere that goes together. But it takes place somewhere right here. Uh, And and I've experienced this personally. When I speak in tongues, um, oftentimes I'm thinking about something totally different. My mind is completely unengaged between the words that are coming out of my mouth. When I speak in English, it usually starts right here, right? You have a thought, then you behave from that thought. Okay, but that's not, when I speak in tongues, that's not where it's coming from. Even as I'm talking about this, how many of you right now feel something right here, like a presence or a heaviness? Okay. Put your hand up high. Let everybody see this. I want them to see what we're talking about. Now, what's happening is uh, spirit testifies to spirit, okay? And also, um, the revelation of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, When you talk about the things that Jesus has done or the things that he's given you, you're literally prophetically declaring those things to happen over others. 
So as I'm talking to you about the gift of tongues, it would make sense that some of you would feel stirred up in your spirit. Some of you who don't even have a gift of tongues might even be getting one as I'm speaking about it because there's an impartation that's taking place just by talking about it. How many of you feel that way right now? Okay. Let me, let me get back to this. So the speaking in tongues is a form of prayer, and it would make sense. The spirit is the lamp, okay? A lamp is what allows you to see things, right? So your spirit is what God uses to see what's inside of you. Now, imagine when you pray in the spirit, the things that are inside of you are being relayed to God, things that you wouldn't even know with your mind because no one knows the heart of a man, right? Most of us aren't even capable of assessing our own hearts, that's why we're not supposed to judge ourselves. We're supposed to let God be our judge. We just don't know ourselves that well. Okay. Now, let me also say in this, just in case you're afraid, there are several people who do not speak in tongues, and they're afraid that when someone says that they're praying in a spirit, that means they have to pray in tongues. That is not necessarily true. You can pray in the Spirit, and it doesn't necessarily have to be praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit just simply means to pray what's on the Spirit's heart, okay? Now, one of the modes in which Paul is saying he does that is by praying in a tongue. But you can do that by praying in your own native language, whether that be English or Spanish or something else. Okay, another function of gifts of tongues. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. No, sorry, let me back up. 1 Corinthians 14, 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you by either way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Now, let me explain the context of this passage. Paul has written the Corinthian church a letter, and the reason for it was because they had some sin in their church. He wanted to encourage them, but he also had some maturity issues that he had to address. He told the Corinthians that they were immature, that they, he could not even give them solid food because they were not yet mature. But he also said of this church, this immature church, that they were not lacking in any gift, which is kind of cool, which goes to show that God is not necessarily giving us gifts because we're mature. Probably the opposite. He gives gifts to make us mature. I remember when I was, uh, I was working for a ministry, um, ministry I got fired for, and it was because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, they, they told me that this stuff should be, you know, if you're going to teach this stuff, it needs to be for, like, mature Christians. But that goes completely against what the Scriptures teach. If you read Ephesians 4, it talks about the fivefold giftings, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. It says these things are for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry until we all attain to the maturity and the unity of the faith. Okay? It belongs to maturity and the fullness of Jesus Christ. Something like that. I'm probably misquoting that, but it does use the word maturity in there. <laughs> so the gifts actually are to bring us into more maturity. It's not the other way around. Okay? And in Hebrews, Paul says this, um, solid food is for the mature who because of practice have trained their senses to discern good and evil. So the mature man is somebody who has trained their senses to discern good and evil. How many of you are completely aware in all your spiritual senses on discerning good and evil? Some of you might be pretty dang good at that. I'm not, honestly. 
there's still times where I'm looking at something and I have no idea if what I'm about to engage in is good or, or bad. I, you know, I'm still just as, I mean, I, I can still be just as mature, immature. And as I've grown, I've been able to sense more of this. I've been able to discern what is good and what is wrong. So that's kind of a side note. I didn't mean to go there, but since I did, let me continue. Uh, So a person, hmm. I want to phrase this. Okay, so Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians. They're very immature. Uh, One of the guys in the church is sleeping with his father's wife, okay? They hadn't, the the church themselves, the people in in Corinth at the time, hadn't hadn't taken care of this person at all. And Paul is like, why have you not taken him out of the church, right? So he addresses it himself, and he takes care of the problem. But then he also writes in this letter because of the way that they were using the gifts. He was saying that what would happen is people would show up to church who were not, uh, or show up to one of their meetings who were uninformed about the gifts, call it the ungifted, or they were unbelievers. And when they hear all these tongues being shouted, they would think these men were mad. Now, I'm going to go into that in more detail in just a second. But the point he's trying to make is, guys, start interpreting this stuff. So that way, everybody can receive edification. That's what it's for. But he says when you're by yourself, I mean, when you, when you speak in a tongue, it's cool to do that, but do that by yourself. It's for edifying oneself. But when you're in a gathering, have interpretation so everybody can be edified or pursue the prophetic. He says prophecy is better than tongues because that way, everybody gets to be edified. So Paul's intention was to correct the church on how they were using this gift, or misusing it might be a better, better word. Now, he's not calling it sin. Even at the very end of this, of this uh, letter, he says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. I'll tell you that there's a lot of seminaries that are directly disobeying the word that Paul gave. A lot of churches, a lot of ministries, if they forbid speaking in tongues, which is what Paul expressly forbid them not to do, and they are going against the scriptures. I know some ministries where if you speak in tongues, you cannot be an elder in their church. You cannot be in staff in their ministry. Sometimes you can't even be a part of a school of their ministry. They're so opposed to that gift, which is crazy. And it's the same with the gift of prophecy. You know, it says, do not despise prophecy. And then right after that, it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Remember, I used to hear that word grieve and quench, and I always thought it had something to do with sin. But what it's talking about there with quench is literally not allowing people to prophesy, or when they do prophesy, despising them for it. Isn't that crazy? How many of you heard that? Like, to quench the Holy Spirit means you probably sinned and you've quenched the Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, sinning does not quench the Holy Spirit. That might surprise some of you. If that were the case, then the Corinthian church wouldn't have had any gifts. Okay? Okay, but Paul's, his instruction is that with interpretation, here's what can take place. How will it profit you unless I speak to you by either way of revelation, of knowledge, or prophecy, or teaching? So the gift of tongues can actually produce those things when there's interpretation. Now, how many of you have seen that? I haven't yet. My hope is one day to see that happen, is to see people get revelation, teaching, knowledge, 
all those things through tongues and interpretation. And I know that can happen because Paul says it can. You see what's happened? You open up the, this little thing right here, and all of a sudden you're, you're open to a world of crazy possibilities. I'd highly invest in one of these if I were you. It's got some really cool ideas. Um, you know, I, I tried a couple things in there, and the next thing I know, my friend is able to understand languages that he shouldn't know. I just read it in there. I was like, oh, that's cool. Let's try that out. I remember when he, was, uh, when he came over, he told me afterwards that he was looking through the, the gifts in Corinthians 12, and he was kind of going, oh, miracles, that's kind of cool. Maybe I want that, or maybe I want healing. And he's just kind of going through this shopping list going, I'll take that. And... Isn't that cool? And you can do that. You know, three times in the book of Corinthians, it says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Twice, two of those three times, it says, especially prophecy. So it's Paul's encouragement. He's like, he's, I'm, I'm glad that you all wish to speak in tongues. I'm glad that you're zealous of spiritual things. It's a good thing to be hungry for these gifts. But it's a bad thing to misuse them. Now, we want to be mature in the way we use these things. His admonition is to do exactly that. Don't be in your thinking immature. Be mature. And this is in context of use of the gifts. Okay, let's talk about some misconceptions of tongues. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at that one. Uh, I've been taught, now, here's the kind of controversial one amongst Pentecostals, Charismatics, and Evangelicals. And I'm just going to tell you, you, you do with it what you want. I'm going to present one position, but by all means, feel free to disagree with me. I do not think this is a super important uh, issue. I will tell you why I, I personally hold this one, and uh, even, even some of the productivity that can come from holding this position. But feel free to disagree. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, uh, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Okay? I love Paul. You see what he's doing? He, he's looking at these people that he cares about, people he participated in, uh, leading them to salvation. And now he's discipling them. And he's going, I don't want you to be unaware about these things because they're important. Okay? You wouldn't want to give a kid a loaded gun and say, here, go have fun, right? You want to teach them how to use it because that's the way the gifts are. They're like loaded guns. Um, now, now, here's the misconception, and this is what I, what I want to see. Where you, you can kind of come to the conclusion yourself. Does everybody get to speak in tongues? Okay. First Corinthians. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healings by one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now let's skip down to verse 27. It says, Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. 
And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers or miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Now, at first reading of that, does it appear to you that every person gets every single gift or that each person gets a gift to use for everybody? Does the Spirit gives individually each just as he wills? Then at the very end of it, it lists off a list of gifts, and he said, he's asking this question. All are not apostles, right? What's the implied answer? No. Okay? No one, you wouldn't say that everybody in this room is an apostle, right? Okay. See, that seems like real easy to us, right? Then it says, all are not prophets, right? That seems pretty obvious. All are not teachers. All do not speak in tongues. It's my personal belief that not everybody has the gift of tongues, okay? But let me also say this. Paul says three times, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, okay? So what does that tell you about what he thinks is available to you as a Christian? Now, we know that if we pursue gifts, we can get them. There's several ways that we see impartation take place. Let me put it this way. If you don't need new gifts, then why is there impartation? If you already have them all, why is there impartation? Why does he use the metaphor of the body of Christ? Unless we're supposed to be dependent upon one another. Part of the problem in the Corinthian church is they were elevating the the gift of tongues above all the others. And so you had this like class of Christians who were the super class who could speak in tongues and the class of Christians who were the have-nots. And there's some teaching in, in a lot of Pentecostal churches that to really, be, to really have power, you need to speak in tongues, which is ironic because doesn't Paul call it the least of the gifts? I would say that prophecy is far more powerful. And he even goes in order and says, first, this, second, this, right? So he's putting them in a classification. Okay, the reason I mentioned all do not speak in tongues, but at the same time, I'm saying you can get gifts. Do you understand that? I don't want you to be misled here. The important part to know is that every person in the body of Christ has a gift, and it's supposed to be used for the common good. I don't care who you are. If you've given your life over to Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians, is the deposit, right? It's the down payment of your salvation, of what Jesus has bought. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. At that very moment that you believe, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. And so with that, you're renewed. I mean, there's all kinds of transactions that took place the moment you believed and called upon the Lord Jesus for the salvation of your life. He gave you a new life. You're a new creation. He put his Holy Spirit. It now now lives inside of you. He's made you the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He used to rest behind a curtain untouchable. Only the high priest could go in there to enter the Holy of Holies. But now he's made you his Holy of Holies. Okay? One of the things he gave you was gifts. He said he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, what I'm hoping is that through this next process, these next few weeks, you begin to discover what gift has God given you. 
Let me just say this. None of you were left giftless. You all have a gift, and you need to discover it because there are people that will never get what God has for them unless you're the one who uses the gift to give it to them. Hear me on this. Okay? You each are made in God's image. On some level, there's an aspect of God that you will never be able to get, you will never get to see until another person made in his image expresses it to you just by being them. It's important that you use your gift and not try to be Michael Miller. We've already got a Michael Miller. I need you. You bear the image of God. You carry his presence in you, and he's given you a gift. And if you don't use that gift, on some level, the church is walking around without a leg, hobbling. That's the whole point of this body of Christ analogy, right? Every single part of the body is needed. If you were without your eyes, you'd walk around and hitting the walls, not knowing where you're going. That's why we need the prophetic, to see where God is taking us, where he's taking the body of Christ, the bride. We need hands to get work done. Okay? We also need hands to heal. That's why there's gifts of healing. Every single gift is needed in the body. And until every single gift is expressed, we're going to be lacking in maturity. One of the most neglected gifts is the gift of interpretation. How many of you see that gift expressed in the church today? Okay, we've, we've missed the mark here. What's great is in the past century, we've seen uh, an escalation of all these gifts. They've, they've started to return to the church, uh, mostly through the Pentecostal movement, then the charismatic movement, and then what's called the third wave movement. And, uh, and now, uh, I, I would say that the gifts have begun to pervade every sphere of, of our influence in society. Evangelicals are getting on board. The conservatives, they've been on board for some time. The Anglicans and the, uh, and the Catholics. The Catholics have always had a history of miracles. You want to know why Protestants were so opposed to miracles? It's because of the Catholic Church. They did not want to acknowledge the fact that the Catholic Church had real saints. And you could not be a saint in the Catholic Church. You couldn't be canonized as a saint without having performed three miracles, documented miracles. And so when they denied Catholicism, they threw out the gifts too. And so right now, Protestant churches, of which charismatics are a part of, um, are still recovering what they lost because of that disunity in the church. Isn't that kind of crazy? Um, let me move on. Okay, how does, uh, how does tongues work? Oh, you know what? Let me give you one more little scripture because this is a good one that kind of backs up the last point about all of us having gift, gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, Each one has received a spiritual gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It says each one of us has been given a gift. And he expects, it, expects us to use it, being a good steward of that gift. Right? We, we hear that word all the time. You know it's in the context of using the gifts. Isn't that crazy? We think of being a good steward as using your finances as well, but here it's actually talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the very utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength with God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love that word dominion. It always makes me think of kingdom rule what it's like when God rules, has dominion, this is his place. 
This is how God is supposed to take over the world. We use his power to love the world, and we see them bend their knees to Jesus. Okay, let's talk about how we use the gift in the church. It says uh, we shouldn't use it without an interpreter, right? Paul says, so also you, unless you utter by the tongue of speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? You will be speaking into thin air. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, nine, or ver- chapter 14, verse 9. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of skip around Corinthians. It's just dealing with the parts that deal with tongues and interpretation, okay? There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks to me will be a barbarian. So also, since you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. When you have interpretation, you edify the church. Now skip down to verse 19. It says, however, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. He's like, guys, when it comes to this gift, use your head. Use wisdom. And here's why. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and an ungifted man or uninformed man, person who doesn't know about the gifts, or unbeliever enters, will they not say that you are mad? Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy but do not forbid speaking in tongues. Okay, now here's the thing. He's saying, be wise in this. When you have a big meeting, have interpretation when people speak in tongues. And he even says this, two or three at the most. Okay? It's interesting. All of that was laid out for us. The Apostle Paul knew how to use these gifts. And he didn't leave us without wisdom in the exercise of them. Uh, But... He also says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And here's probably why. How will you ever know if someone can interpret unless someone speaks in tongues? You hear all these churches like, well, there shouldn't be a tongue spoken unless there's someone to interpret. I'm like, well, there's no one going to interpret unless someone speaks in tongues. (laughs) Does seem like a logical conclusion, right? One should follow the other, but another won't follow unless this one's there. Math teacher thing, you know. Um, Okay, one other misconception about the gift of tongues. People say that it's a sign for uh, unbelievers because of that verse in Corinthians 14. It says, in the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to the people, and even so they will not listen to me. For some reason, people think that this is a positive thing. Okay, when, when Paul says that it's a sign for unbelievers, he's actually saying this negatively. He's saying if you speak in tongues and they're unbelievers, and again, this is contextual because uh, people who would have at this time would have taken this very differently, but he's talking, he's quoting, literally quoting a verse from Isaiah, chapter 28, verse 11, and it's about the sons of Ephraim and how they were going, God was giving them a sign of judgment. Basically, they were going to be taken over by a foreign land who spoke a foreign language. So when an unbeliever would walk into one of these meetings and they're hearing all these languages, they're thinking, oh, no, God's judgment has come, okay? You, you got to keep that in mind when you read this. It's not a sign for, for believers unless these believers understand what's being spoken, which can happen. You can speak in a tongue in a foreign land, and they can actually understand what you're saying. You hear stories about this all the time, especially throughout the Pentecostal movement. 
Matter of fact, they were so convinced when, when tongues, how many of you know about Azusa Street? Okay, huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Tons of people were getting the gift of tongues. They were convinced that it was a known language. And so as soon as they got their tongue, they would go hit the mission field until they found the country where they spoke that tongue. A lot of them got there very disappointed because it turns out that they didn't have that language. And it was just actually a language God had given them to pray in. Sorry, guys. However, uh, there are stories of that actually happening, of them going somewhere and knowing Chinese. I knew a girl. She went to China. Okay, She was supposed to go there and study. In one month, she learned how to speak fluent Chinese. I don't know anybody that's capable of doing that with just a human brain. Okay, the Spirit had given her that ability. And it was for a purpose. It was so she could evangelize in a place where the gospel was, uh, there was hostility towards it. You'll actually find that the times when the fillings of the Holy Spirit happen the most often are, are usually in the place where there's a hostile audience. I mean, you see it in the Scripture and you see it in the natural. Times when people get filled with the Holy Spirit is when they're facing a hostile audience. Reach it, Brother Miller. Okay. Let me do this. Let me take, oh, you know what? Let, let me, I just love, I don't like talking about something unless I can prove that the early church believed it too. This is kind of cool. Now, you know that the, the early church didn't just all of a sudden disappear, that there was actually like men who laid hands on men, and then they laid hands on other men, and they kind of passed down gifts, okay? You see this happen uh, in, in, I think it was Smyrna. Uh, there was a bishop there named Polycarp. He was actually the disciple of John. And, uh, and Polycarp was actually the mentor of Arrhenius. And Arrhenius was the guy who was in France. He was the bishop of, of Lyons or something, Lyon. Yeah, okay, so some of you know more than I do. You get up here and teach this right now. I take this on there. Um, but here's what, here's what Irenaeus says. I think this is kind of cool. For this reason, the apostle declares, we speak wisdom among those who are perfect, calling those persons perfect who have received the Spirit of God and who the Spirit of God do speak in all languages. Isn't that cool? This is 180 AD. Now, this guy had never once met an apostle, right? He had met one of the disciples of the apostles. For those people that tell you that the gifts ceased after the apostles and those whom the apostles laid their hands on, okay, we have a third generation guy telling you, no, 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 the gifts are still around, it's specifically tongues. Okay, and he was a bishop. This isn't just some lay person. He was a bishop. In the same manner, we hear about brethren in the church who possess prophetic gifts, who through the Spirit speak all kinds of languages and bring to light for the general benefit the hidden things of men. That's so cool. I get excited about that. Let me take a minute or two. Um, Let's try to keep it just a few questions. Is there anybody who has a question about the gift of tongues? I know I've taught some things, and you're you're welcome to challenge me if you'd like. Um, I'm okay with disagreeing. Don't feel threatened by it. Just put your hand up if you've got a question. Let's take take a few minutes to answer some. Yeah, right there. Since you're going to... Say your name real quick so everybody knows, so we know who to throw stones at afterwards. My name is, that... my name is Jared. So I was, how are you saying about the catch-22? Well, how do you know if, you know, uh, someone's going to interpret? Or how do we, you can't start speaking unless you know or whatever. So is that just something that's supposed to be spirit-led? Like, oh, I'm, yes, I exactly. think I feel like I should speak in tongues right now. I hope 
hope someone's going to type it. If not, then I guess I was wrong. No matter. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you a story about that. I, I would say that's exactly how that happens. You are led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I was with a, a group of, of kids that I was teaching in the gifts of the Spirit, I opened up Corinthians 14.26, the one where it says, So then when you assemble together, one has a psalm, teaching, tongue, interpretation, revelation, all things are done edification. Okay, I, I read that verse. And I said, let's do that right now. Now, here's the thing. It says, when you assemble together, this is what you're supposed to do, right? So clearly, if Paul is instructing us, then God has to make provision for it, right? So then why wouldn't it happen? Paul says you're supposed to do that when you assemble together. So we tried it out. I'm with five people when I'm doing this. He said, who feels like they're supposed to sing a song? This little girl, Taylor, new believer, she sings like a bird. I mean, the spirit shows up. We feel his presence. I said, uh, who would like to give a, a teaching? Who feels like God has taught them something you'd like to share with all of us? And so this one young guy named Staten had gotten this revelation, and we all sat there and listened to him. It was wonderful. And I said, who uh, feels led to speak in tongues? And everybody just kind of looks down. And I said, okay, I actually feel led to speak in tongues. I'll just jump on in. And so I speak in tongues. And I said, did anybody understand what I said? And this girl, Taylor, new believer, she goes, oh, I understood it. I'm like, of course you did. So she tells us what we said, and it was phenomenal. And after that, we were all so excited about it that everybody just started speaking in tongues, and she started interpreting And then the youth group gets exposed to it, and they're all like, will she interpret me too? And and that's kind of the way it worked. And I've actually done that several times, and we're going to do that tonight, actually. Other questions? Okay. I think these two go together. It's like a package deal, huh? What's your name? Veronica. Hi, Veronica. Um, So in your... English or whatever language, like, or is it like a feeling sometimes? Okay, so how does it work? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, uh, you know, the Bible actually doesn't give it a whole lot of clarity. We know that some way of interpretation is people just understand what's being said, right? And that's about all we know. So really, the only thing I have to go on in this instance is experience. So you can take this with a grain of salt if you'd like. Okay, but my experience has shown me with people who, who interpret Some people, when you speak in tongues, specifically the more prophetically natured people, they'll go into visions, and they'll actually get an interpretation through some sort of prophetic vision. That is one form of interpretation. Um, I would say the more literal gift of interpretation means they just understand what the words mean. In some uncanny way, they hear you speak, and it's like they begin to download a new language. You ever seen The Matrix? You know, they would go into The Matrix, and they would download, he's like, I know Kung Fu. I know what you just said. And that's how it works for them. They literally like download a new language. They can understand it. Um, Yeah, so some people will literally just understand what it means. Some people, when you speak in tongues, alongside of you speaking this language, they'll hear in English what is being spoken. Okay? And I think, I think there's a variety of ways this takes place. And I'm just listing a few ways in which it takes place. 
I don't think any of these manifestations of the Spirit were meant to be too boxed in, right? They kind of flow, and they're different for different people, and they're varieties of gifts. You know, in Corinthians 12, he's not giving a comprehensive list, right? He's just sort of giving you a list and saying, here's the basics, okay? So, so that might be, so when we actually do this in a little bit, some of you may get a vision. Some of you may actually hear English, even though I'm not speaking English. Some of you may hear English alongside what I'm speaking, or it may come right after I speak. Some of you will just understand what the words mean. And some of you may get some other kind of crazy interpretation that I've never seen before, and which would be really cool, okay? I'm totally down with that. You may see words coming out of my mouth. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know. I, like I said, I like to experiment and see what happens. Uh, other questions? <laughs> so let's say that there's two people. What, what's your name real quick? I'm Charles. Hi, Charles. Okay. Let's say there's two people interpreting your tongues, and we both got two different dreams. Yeah, that'll happen. Um, and I, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. I don't understand why that happens. Does that mean one person's right and the other one's wrong? Does that mean both people are wrong or both people are right? I don't know. Uh, but what you'll find is actually a lot of times when we do this, a lot of people end up getting the same thing. Well, I, I'm not sure, honestly. And I, I See, here's the thing. I tend to err on the side that it's both right, okay? But, but I'm also of the persuasion that I'd rather believe and be wrong than not believe and miss out, okay? You want me to say that again? You can quote me on this. Facebook, shh, tweet. Um, I, I would rather believe and be right than not believe and miss out, okay? Was I just speaking in tongues? I think I was. Oh, I would rather believe and be wrong than not believe and miss out. Okay. Um, also, I don't think you're going to get to heaven and God say to you, you know, you just believed a little bit too much. <laughs> you just had too much faith, kid, you know? Ah, those charismatics. So, uh, other questions? Professor. Throwing around the $7,000 microphone. Professor Michael, you're so wise. Um, <laughs> I'm just... Can you tell this guy and I know each other? Tell <laughs> me, God. I'm so glad that I came tonight. Um, <clears throat> I've heard people say that, uh, that speaking in tongues is, is a sign that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh, that, he's so trying to get controversial right now. That they're connected. Can you, can, you, can you talk about that? I don't that? have a dog in that fight, Jeremy. <laughs> Um, maybe a small one. Okay, with the, were you asking specifically baptism of the Spirit or filling with the Spirit, either one, kind of? Okay, I personally do not believe that, you, that a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Do I believe that when people get the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues? Often. Okay, you see Scripture that happening. But I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place the moment someone believes. However, I will say, and, and I'm going I'm to be very clear on this, the word filling and the word baptism are two totally different words. To equate them would be, do, would be to take the scriptures and do an injustice to them. Okay? There are definite definitions of the two different uh, words. Okay? To be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. That was the promise at Pentecost. Okay? Then you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus prophesied this. 
Okay, or actually John prophesies this about the one who's to come. And Jesus is the one baptizing in the Holy Spirit. Then you see several instances where the same people who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit also get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and when that happens, it's in that moment, almost every time, they give some sort of prophetic declaration about Jesus. Look at, look at the Apostle Peter. Every time he's filled, he's usually giving some sort of prophetic declaration, and he's oftentimes, not always, doing it in front of a hostile audience. And there's a reason for that, because at that moment, in order to stand up in front of those people, he needed to be filled. You see, the same thing happened with Stephen right when he's being martyred. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was able to answer boldly. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay, go put yourself in a situation where you actually need him. I'm serious, like, you know, we, we want this and we pray and we, we tarry for the Holy Spirit. But the fact is, you need the Holy Spirit, you need to be in a place where you need Him, okay? Uh, at least that's what you see in Scriptures. That's where they were filled, is, is in a time when they actually needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've had this happen. I mean, I've literally had, had moments where the Holy Spirit would come on me and I would do something I wasn't normally capable of doing. So, does that answer your question, Jeremy, Mr.? He had a bone to pick tonight and he knew I would give... I would pick it, so uh, eight, catch, there you go. Okay, any other questions? Should we, one more? Go ahead. Hi, my name is Robert. Hi, Robert. Um, I've heard people uh, either pray or speak in tongues more than a dozen times. I've yeah. never understood it. Okay. Uh, what's up with that? You probably don't have the gift of interpretation. <laughs> but here's the cool thing. Yeah, it's freaking you out, right? Well, that's what Paul's saying. It definitely is. It's between them and God. <laughs> you nailed it, buddy. It can be completely confusing, and it could be a little chaotic. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to tell you. Um, okay, you notice that the words he uses are ungifted and unbelieving, that these are the people that you should have interpretation around. And ungifted just simply means uninformed about the gifts, okay? Now, if I'm in a prayer gathering with a few of my believing friends, I'm totally fine with speaking in tongues in front of them. As a matter of fact, I do it quite often. But the, diff- the context is very different. I'm with people who I know aren't going to find what I'm doing to be crazy. You know what I'm saying? But when you're in a group of people where you have no idea who's around and where they come from and what their background is, Paul's very clear about being considerate of them. And so they won't think you're mad. He doesn't want you to run people off. Not unnecessarily so, anyways. You can run them off for the right reasons, but this is not the right reason. Okay. Uh, and besides, what, what's the point? Why not just have interpretation? I think the real reason people don't have interpretation is they just don't have faith for it. I mean, quite, quite honestly. And I don't mean individuals. I mean churches, church leadership. Uh, they, they've seen it in the past, and they haven't liked what they've seen, and so they've kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. So, so, you know, I, I think we should really, instead of throwing out the gift of tongues, let's bring in the gift of interpretation. That's the solution. I, I love the gift of tongues. I, I feel like, and, and I, I hate to equate myself with the possible, but I feel like what he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I do that. I'm one of these guys who speaks in tongues all the time. Vince told you last week how I would even do it in my sleep. That is entirely true. 
I've had people who I've shared rooms with who will hear me speaking in tongues. I'll wake them up. And sometimes I'll do it very violently. Um, I, I can't help it. I'm asleep, dude. You know, it's like, sorry. But, but, but I really do. I speak in tongues. I value that gift more. I mean, I would say I value that gift more than anybody I personally know. Um, I love it. And when I speak, I, I sit there and I listen to myself and I'm going, holy, what, how, how am I able to say these things? Like, it doesn't even make sense that you would be able to speak a language that you don't even know. And if you heard me speak, and you will tonight, you're going to go, okay, that is clearly a language. This guy's not just speaking some sort of gibberish. And I would say that's, that's more common. The more mature we grow in that gift of the Spirit, and you can mature in gifts, you grow in gifts, there are different levels of gifts. The more you grow in the gift of tongues, it's like, I mean, it's like listening to an English professor. Okay? An English professor is very proficient with the English language. He knows exactly which words to use to get across the meaning he intends to communicate. It's the same way with the gift of tongues. You know, first, when you speak in tongues, like a baby, they babble at first, right? They have syllables, they don't even have words, then they get words, then they get phrases, then they get sentences, then they get paragraphs, and then they can write it and speak in it and fly in it. I don't know how that works, but I think it's the same way with the gift of tongues. You, you, sometimes you start off with baby babble, then you get phrases, then you get sentences, and actually that was my experience. When I first started speaking in tongues, um, I had one phrase, and it was the weirdest sounding phrase, and I'm so glad I don't say it today. Um, <laughs> But now, I mean, there's a, there was a point in time where someone prophetically told me, don't be afraid to try new words. And when I did, this language just opened up. And now I'm telling you, like, if you hear me speak in tongues for a while, you'll be like, man, your language keeps changing. I'm like, yeah, it's a real language. It's like full vocabulary, and I'm getting all of it. And it's really cool. So, yeah. Just so everybody can hear you. I hope, I, I want to respect the leadership here. And like, if you believe differently, please feel free to. Uh, this doesn't need to be a big controversy. You, you are free to have a different position on it. Sometimes we quibble in the churches over the smallest thing. This, this should not be a reason to leave a church. It really shouldn't. Okay? Okay, I, I just wondered um, how you got the gift of tongues. If you could give us maybe three or four ways Okay, that's a good, yeah, I should have answered that one. That's a good one. Uh, okay, me personally, I started speaking in tongues. Well, honestly, you know, I had this encounter with the Lord um, my senior year in college. And after that, I really started believing in miracles. And so with that, I kind of started investigating, well, what about these other weird things? And so I was like, tongues. So I, I was fortunate at the time. I was at a non-charismatic bookstore, having to find the one charismatic book that must have surely been bought by accident, and it was called the, the Nine Gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it literally goes through those gifts in Corinthians 12, and, and one of them was to get the tongues, and so I started learning about what that was, and, uh, and so when I was by myself, I was like, try this out, so I would just start speaking, and I, honestly, I thought it was gibberish, um, and as a matter of fact, I would continue to do this gibberish, uh, and I would just continue to do it, and, and in faith, I, I began to grow in this gift. I literally thought it was gibberish. I'm not kidding. And uh, I would continue to think so until I started having someone interpret. And when the interpretation took place, not only did I, like, gain faith in the gift, but my gift of tongues took off. 
Because I had, I mean, every gift is, is operational through faith. In, in uh, Romans, Paul says, we prophesy in accordance to our faith. So there's some measure in which your prophetic gifting is in tune with your level of faith for that gift. So my level of faith for the gift of tongues started to take off, and so did the language and the gift itself. It became more powerful. It, it, became, it had more words. Um, so I would say it's, that was my process for it. Uh, now, I've also seen where I've prayed for people, and they were imparted that gift, uh, even to the point where they could no longer speak their native language. They could only speak in tongues. Um, that, that was actually the first time I prayed for somebody to get the gift of tongues. Uh, this kid, Gabe, who I was telling you about earlier, he, yeah, it scared the crap out of me, honestly. Uh, seriously, I was like, his mom's calling. What's he going to do? <laughs> you think I'm joking. This was my experience. I mean, I was terrified. Uh, I didn't, I mean, I was like, I didn't know you do it like that, you know? Um, so, uh, I mean, that's, that's what happened. Uh, so, sometimes it can be like that. When the, you know, you want to talk about impartation. When there is power present in a room, you're going to see way crazier things with impartation. Sometimes the level of power isn't there, and so it can be very, very kind of slight. And you may not even notice that it happened. You may not feel anything, but then you go home. And I actually happened this with a, this happened with a buddy of mine. I had when I got into these things, my friends thought I was I was completely crazy, and one of them even told me so. I mean, he stopped talking to me. He didn't talk to me for six months, and my roommate. Um, he, he had thought I'd gone crazy. I, I was working for this ministry. I just moved back from, to Dallas from, from College Station when I went to college. And uh, my roommate at the time, I was telling him all these stories, and he was kind of like, Miller's kind of lost it. Um, and so when I would try to get him to participate in what I was experiencing and experimenting with, he was like, no, that's right. Um, well, when I prayed over that kid, Gabe, and all he could do was speak in tongues, my roommate, his name was Joe, he walks in the room, he walks into the apartment because we were roommates, and he looks at us, and Gabe, who cannot speak in English, is looking at him. And I go, hey, Gabe, why don't you say hi? And, uh, and, and Joe looks at him and goes, he can't speak English, can he? I'm like, how did he know that? He's like, well, that's cool. Walks away, goes into his room, doesn't say a word. The next week is when Adam came over, and we had that whole interpretation thing happen. Joe walked in on that one, too. So here we have someone speaking in tongues and interpreting, right? Joe doesn't partake. Again, he goes into his room, ignores what's taking place. About uh, a few days later, he comes up to me, and he, he apologizes to me. He says, um, you know, Michael, I, I got to admit, um, I think this stuff is real. He's like, and I, I've been so prideful, I just didn't want to have to learn from you. And the reason why is we'd grown up together. I think about this. The people who are most unwilling to believe your story are the ones who are most familiar with you. Familiarity breeds contempt. This is a warning to the church. Don't become so familiar with your pastors that you cease to give them honor. This is, I mean, we start to see their junk. They're not perfect. We see their junk and we think, well, how can that person be in leadership? I'm not going to be there anymore. And you find some sort of offense. And let me tell you right now, the devil is looking for those kind of people. Because the last thing he wants you to do is to submit yourselves to, to sinners. Because that's true humility. The moment you think that you shouldn't be in a place because of a certain pastor did X, Y, Z to you is the moment you think you're better than them. 
You know, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. That's called false humility. True humility is knowing exactly who you are. I remember I was telling, I, I was talking about a girl that I liked, and I was, she, I'd asked this girl out. She said no, and I was telling this other friend of mine this, and she was like, oh, that's a bummer. I was like, yeah, right. I'm a great guy. She should have let me take her out. And, and she's like, well, that's really conceited and prideful. I'm like, no, it's not. She's like, yeah, it is. You shouldn't say stuff like that about yourself. I'm like, but I am a great guy. And she's like, yeah, that is the most arrogant thing. And I looked at her and I said, okay, does Jesus think I'm a great guy? She goes, yeah. I go, then who am I to think any less of myself? Do I know more than he does? Right? Now, Paul, I mean, uh, uh, Moses was called the most humble man on all the earth. You know who wrote those words? What does that tell you about true humility? True humility is knowing exactly who you are, okay? Pride is thinking you're better than someone else because of it. That's what pride is. How did I get on this? You guys were laughing at me, and I was kind of patting my self-esteem, and we got one thing led to another. I don't know. Uh, Oh, Joe didn't want to learn from me. I'm sorry. Okay, so Joe... Didn't want to learn from me, and that makes sense. You know, when you're familiar with somebody, you see their crap, you smell them, you think, ooh, why would I want to be like that person? Um, I'm so going to get to hear about this later. Uh, you still love me, right? I, um, so he said, would you pray for me? I said, man, I'd be honored. And so I laid hands on him, prayed for him. Nothing happened. He got totally peed off. Walked out. I go to a staff meeting uh, about a week later for the ministry I was working for. And this guy who had been around since the beginning, who kind of mentored us, he had us in an intern meeting. Just uh, We were all interns at the time. And he opens up 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says, so then when you assemble together, one has a psalm, one has a teaching, one has a tongue, one has an interpretation, one has a revelation. Okay? And he says, let's do that right now. And he's, this guy's like from the 40s, and so he kind of talks like, yeah, let's do that right now. I'm like, are you serious? He didn't mean that. He probably just means like let's teach something and sing something and, and that kind of thing. He was dead serious. So we have someone teach, uh, sing something and teach something. He goes, okay, anybody speak in tongues? And I'm like, oh, yeah, man. Now, I'm a part of, at this point in time, a cessationist ministry that does not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here the old guy, the one who was there from the beginning, is going, anybody speak in tongues? And, uh, and then my buddy Joe, we work together. He goes, I speak in tongues. And I look at him, I go, what? <laughs> I mean, I prayed over you. I know you didn't speak in tongues. I was like, what happened? He goes, yeah, dude, I was in the shower a few days later. and <laughs> I spoke a few words in tongues. I'm like, this is crazy. Okay. My, my point in saying that, I mean, it, besides it being a very funny story, is, is the fact that uh, he felt absolutely nothing when I prayed for him. Okay? Sometimes impartation doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. It's usually very dramatic when there's a lot of power present in a room, but it's not always that way, okay? 
Does that answer your question? I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just using experience here. This isn't a lot of scripture, but um, I really have a hard time sharing things that are, that are this um, subjective. So I like using, I like being a logical man. I like having something objective like the scriptures. So, okay. I think that's good for the questions. Let's have some fun. Because hmm? we weren't having fun already. Uh, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm going to speak in tongues. Now, here's what I want you to do. You are going to interpret, okay? Uh, I've got someone with me who also is very proficient in interpretation, okay? And she's going to also interpret. She's going to write things down. And so that way, you can get some confirmation about what you're saying. Got it? All right. So uh, in this case, now, I wouldn't normally tell you to pray with your eyes closed. I don't know where we got that tradition. It's not in Scripture. Praying with your eyes closed. You think about it. When they prayed for the sick person, did they have their eyes closed as they were getting out of their wheelchair? No. They had their eyes open when they prayed. That's how they were able to testify of what they saw. It's crazy how we get these things. Okay. Uh, but normally I wouldn't tell you to, keep, to close your eyes, but let's just for this second, because interpretation is most often a hearing kind of gift. And that, that's typically the way this works. And I just want you to shut out other things that could distract you. Now, I'm going to speak in tongues, and uh, you are just simply going to listen. Some of you, again, you're going to feel um, this presence probably come on you, but you may also just, some of you may feel that presence now. Um, you, you're going to either hear something and understand what the words mean, or you're going to hear your native language, or you're going to hear your native language alongside what I'm speaking, or you're going to have some sort of vision. Okay? Now just listen very carefully. Okay. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I've had so much fun tonight. Um, Holy Spirit, would you come into this place? We welcome you. This is a place that loves your presence. Come, Lord. Oh, man. You feel his compassion come in the room. Crazy how that happens. I should expect something different. We ask him to come and he shows up. Uh, thank you, Lord. Um, Lord, would you right now put the gift of interpretation on several people in this room? Power here. You feel it. I pray that many people in this room would now get this gift so that this body has people prepared to interpret that will grow in this gift. I'm going to speak now. Ready? Martai salado tu ishiki anana montar. Yartu kusele lanter ta nishin diorta di aperto tarta kusola mon. Bilumafia tu sergoma pietianon. Antiorasa tiertu ta morke salala tafun. Ista Jesus sofertio anani arcato kufela la tuaso. Ilinia morteron. Intiarto tu ferta salemio ti se Jesus fiamakio anana matar. Il lumato si invierto ta ferto casa la tando retejo. In yerama tu confera ta saleta mo cambiar tu dia chuchesu sampato ramon. Il limitiarto confer casa qui est ton bien patron. Il lumato fiatia se je som tia porta rabato confera tasa. In yerto lo lamandato con barcata co senyera natari.
want you to raise your hand. Now, remember, this is part of stepping out in faith. You might be doubting immediately, and the accuser's going to come and tell you, no, you, who do you think you are to hear this kind of thing? Okay? We don't listen to that voice. So, if you feel like you might have understood some of the things that were spoken, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? Put them up high, please. I don't want to leave anybody out. Keep your hand raised if you've never interpreted tongues before. You think you've understood it. You've never done this before. Okay. Um, Vince, you got the mic- microphone? You want to take this? Um, what's right there in the back? The guy with the brown shirt. Raise your hand again. Oh, would you mind sharing with us? This is for all of us here. This is just a safe place to experiment. It's okay if you get it wrong. Okay. What's your name? Aaron. Okay. Now, some of you who are afraid to raise your hands, Aaron's about to tell you the exact thing that you also got. Go ahead, Aaron. I'm confident about that, yeah. Uh, I, I kept feeling the words, the Lord is good, the Lord is beautiful, and uh, the Lord is above all. How many of you got something similar to that? Wow. Vince, will you go to her and you tell us what you had? Try to keep it short, okay? Because we've got a lot of people in here who want to share. I got the Lord is good. He is above all. He is in this place of worship. Wow. This house of dwelling. Isn't that crazy? Almost the exact same thing, right? Okay, who else heard something similar to that? Okay, who heard something completely different? Put your hand up, please. All the way. Let me see you. Okay, will you try this lady over here? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if it's something very (laughs) negative, I'm probably going to stop you and tell you something different. Okay, this, I'm in charge. Well, mine was be baptized in the Holy Spirit so he could perfect our walk with him. Okay. What, <laughs> what did you get? Yeah, right next to it. I got that he wanted us to hear what he said. Okay, very cool. How many of you got something similar to that? You didn't? Vince, you want to hear this guy? I'd let him talk into my mic, but that'd be a little awkward. Hello? <laughs> When you started praying in tongues, it was almost immediately like in English. You were saying, well, actually, you know, to speak, uh, interpreting tongues isn't that difficult. You just have to listen through the Spirit, and it starts making really clear sense. And it was kind of, I was kind of laughing because I thought it was just me. You were hearing crazy. that English. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, here's something cool about this. Ashley, you want to stand up for a second? I brought Ashley. Ashley's from the upper room. You always say, this is Ashley Sin, everybody. This is my interpreter extraordinaire. Uh, will you tell us what you got? It was a confirming word. So his spirit was confirming what he just spoke. Um, And it was the importance of this gift is like taking up the phone and having a direct conversation with my heart. That it's first meant to minister to my heart, then to my heart. Thank you. Okay, you're kind of freaking out right now, aren't you? (laughs) Because it was crazy similar, wasn't it? Okay, I think think you're you're experiencing this is a gift that God is giving you. Okay, I want to confirm that. You want to try again, you guys? Okay, we're going to do something a little different. All right, uh, I'm going to speak in tongues again. But this time, uh, let me get uh, John Ecker. I want you to come up here. Okay, sucker. Here it goes. That's great. <laughs> Two cusses and a sucker. You're down, buddy. Did I cuss? I did, didn't yeah. I? I probably did. Right. I'm, I'm not real. Uh, That's good. That's how many whippings I'm going to get later. Um, okay. 
I'm going to, to speak a tongue over John, okay? And you guys are going to interpret, all right? Uh, I've, the, <laughs> some of the more powerful stuff I've seen has happened just like this, when you actually lay hands on somebody, speak in tongues, and everybody interprets. Okay, listen carefully. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. This is so good. Thank you for the confirmation you've already given. We just ask that you come and do it again. So would you bless John as well? And this is supposed to be the building up the faith, right? The interpretations to edify. Would you do that again, Lord? Let your scriptures be true. Stay up here just a second. You, did you feel like you understood that? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to quit asking that question. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, how many of you feel like you might have understood what was spoken tonight? Just now. You did again? Then in the back? You did earlier too. We didn't get to you. Okay. Let's, uh, let me go to her first, then we'll go to him. Say your name for me. My name is Bridget. Hi, Bridget. Um, I, I saw a picture first, and then I felt like I saw something with it. Okay. Um, as you were speaking, I saw, um, I don't know what you call the Jewish hat. but Yamaka. Okay. I saw that being placed on his head, and then I saw the prayer shawl thing put yeah. over him. And then as I see the prayer shawl put over him, I got chills because I just felt like the Lord was like, saying that he doesn't see John. He truly wants John to know that he sees himself. Wow. How many of you got something similar to that? You almost got exactly that. Jennifer, you come come show what Jennifer had. Who else did? If I see you in the back. Jennifer, what did you get? I just saw a crown placed on his head. This is cool. We're actually seeing similar visions here. You saw a crown too? Give him a title. Uh, right there in the back, would you go over to Hervin's? And then we're going to come to you too as well. I just saw what looked like a gold halo. That was all. <laughs> a gold halo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? The imagery is very similar. Vince, uh, you want to come over here and get his as well? This guy's kind of freaking out over here. He's like, okay, this is real. This is happening. I can't believe this. It's exciting. Go ahead. Um, what I heard was you were speaking to him like a father to a child, and you were saying, my child, you're exactly where you need to be. I have, uh, <laughs> you're exactly where you need to be. I have called you with a purpose. You are here in Dallas expanding my kingdom okay. for a specific reason, and you, you can walk forward in that confidence. Okay. I want you to show us that. Now, Ashley wrote down her words, okay? So that way there would be no confusion. And you got it written down too? 
Hey, Vince, why don't you share yours real quick, and then I'll have Ashley share hers. I can't be a liar. And so you can look cool. <laughs> oh, wow. It says, you are just like my son. You love our wives like me and our children like I love them. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty similar. Father speaking to a child. This was the father. He, a lot of stuff of you were in charge of this family. Now, Ashley's laughing over here, okay? I'm, I'm, you're going to see why in just a minute. She wrote down what she had, okay, before he ever spoke. Uh, you have an understanding of Jesus that is unique to ma- or many, and that understanding will allow you to combat with um, and war against many battles. I'll go with, but it was literally like, Put it, up to your mouth. it was literally Jesus speaking through Michael and the compassion of like father and son like was, so beyond evidence. Huh. Isn't that cool? You want to try this one more time? Okay. Let me get, I'm going to get Tracy up here. And uh, who in here feels like speaking in tongues? Okay. Who's in the back? Come on up here. Oh, it's Misty. Oh. Welcome back to Texas. Oh, she's back. Yay. Okay. Some are worth double honor. Okay, Misty, uh, you're gonna. I want you to lay your hands on her when you pray for, her and uh, and you just go for it. Now, hey, just a little instruction: when you speak in tongues, I do not want you to be paying attention to what you're saying. I want you to think about Tracy. Okay. In Kose Fendrebe Foshe and Lulubata Kiandrevi Pompole, Yasum Terefi on Jujibotre Kimbovala Elzadeva. Yandre in Kojibe Elobova and Zodrevi Engozagovo, a little Buddha Zugozo, Primbojusia, Fondrova, a little Tongotre, Piambova, a little Shotre, Piangodabala, Allah. In Kondoba Jacandrukovala and Lolo Shukotre. Very cool. Um, all right, raise your hand if you felt like you understood what uh, Misty was saying. In the back again, you got another vision. This is kind of cool. People are discovering that they have a gift in this way, right? And I say this is what's going to happen over these several weeks. Now, some of you may not have discovered your gift just yet, but you will. I promise. Go ahead. I, I know. I just saw another vision, and all I saw was Paris, France. You saw a picture of Paris, France. I saw a picture of Paris, France. All I got. Sounded French, huh? Okay. How many of y'all were hearing French? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Uh, All right. Who else feels like they understood what the the words meant? You know French. It wasn't French. It's like French. Okay. Uh, How many, who else felt like they understood what was being spoken? Well, there's got to be more than that. Okay. They're in the back sheets. I might have it. No, I I mean I saw a vision more I think than usually, but um, I just saw Tracy kind of running a race and, and encouraging others, and just her heart being encouraged, and her heart actually encouraging other people hearts in that. Okay, anyone else? Now, Vince, 
right there in the back. Um, I just kept hearing the word mercy, that you are called to mercy, to give mercy, and that you're a warrior and not to give up, but to keep going because it's making a difference. Keep going, that goes along with running a race. You understand why Paul said let's do two or three at most? takes a while, doesn't it? But it's good. I just heard the mantle of authority to break the chains of death. And then I saw a picture of you in a river of the revelation, Holy Spirit, glory of God. Cool. Anything this time, sir? Kind of different? Why don't you give it a shot? It's better if you just try it out. See, the thing is, you're hearing a different language, so of course it's going to feel different. And everybody says this when they hear someone else speak in tongues. Very normal. See, like, I just, uh, I came back from India a couple weeks ago, and so I took a flight Emirates. Yes. They speak Arabic in there, and it sounded a lot like like the uh, Arabic language. So I felt like uh, there was... It was more confirmation on the personhood of Tracy, of my beautiful child. I have uh, created you in a certain way and placed, where you, placed you where you are at uh, to be a leader among the women and that you are, you are right. I lost it. I lost it where it was, it was right there. I kept hearing the word beautiful over and over and over. I guarantee you if she, uh, she started speaking in tongues again, it would pick up where we left off. I think so. Um, Ashley, you want to give it a go? Yeah, one more hand over here, too. I don't know that language. That's a weird tongue. It's a weird tongue. Um, I had got something for John also that I didn't share. I would like to go ahead and share that. Um, I felt like the Lord said, bless this man, for on this rock I will build my church. See that? Now, excuse me. <laughs> Didn't I just say that the devil is going to come by and say, oh, who do you think you are to hear these kind of things, right? Now, you should have said something, huh? You did to her. She's nodding her head. Yes, she did. Okay. What else did you hear? For Tracy, I felt like I heard, um, this is my daughter whom I love and whom I am well pleased with. Okay. Ashley, you want to give it a go? First, can I say you you hear the Lord and you have the anointing? Um, and the purple, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's like. <laughs> um, because I had a, a confirming word for you, Tracy, is that the Lord was saying you drink deep. And because of that, you don't have to worry about ever being thirsty um, because he'll quench He'll quench that thirst before you ever even know, um, which is just about knowing who you are. Okay. Uh, thank you, guys. Guys, give him a round of applause. That's, that takes guts to get up and speak in tongues. It really does. It takes faith to get up and do that in front of people. Uh, Ashley, I want you to come up here for a second. I want to do a little interview process. Um, okay. And will you come up here as well? Just for a second. Just for a second. Uh, t- say your name real quick. Charles. Charles. 
Now, Charles, will you tell me what you were feeling? Actually, I'm going to let Ashley do this. Ashley, when you were interpreting, tell me how you were feeling and how you were interpreting. Okay. Um, To be honest, it's different every time it happens, but... Um, hold, hold it up to like this. There you go. Okay. What was the girl, Misty, who just spoke? Um, I've, since I've never heard her tongue, it took me, my process came afterwards. Um, because I'm used to hearing Michael's language, I can hear it as we go. Like I hear, I literally hear English most of the time as he's speaking um, or words that I know. But So, so there's something to this. Um, Notice she heard a new language that she hadn't heard before, so it took her longer to figure out what you were saying. That's normal with the gift of interpretation. I'm telling you, a lot of times when I see people interpret, you'll watch their eyes go like this. And it's, I swear, it's just the the body's response to God's presence and to that gift. When when his presence shows up, the autonomic nervous system responds to God. And that's why people fall over sometimes. His power literally has an effect on your body. And so anyway, most people will get this little vibration in their eyes, and usually what's happening is they're getting a new language. They're literally downloading new words. And so when she hears somebody new, she doesn't know right away because she's just learning this for the first time. However, when she hears me speak, she's heard it before, she's downloaded it before, so she's able to understand it much more easily. Okay? But also tonight when um, John and Tracy were up here, I felt, I felt the compassion of the Lord before I knew what was being said. So I knew right away that it was a, a word of compassion straight from the Lord. It wasn't necessarily Michael's spirit um, confirming something or praying something. It was directly the Lord. So it just That's, depends if it's a confirming word or a revelation or it, well, my I, I think I think what she's trying to say is sometimes she'll hear my spirit pray and sometimes she'll hear the spirit of the Lord. Okay? When you speak in tongues, sometimes it's you speaking to God Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit speaking to others. That's important to keep in mind. That's all those things take place when a person speaks in tongues. Okay, tell me how, did anything she say make sense to you? Um, when you were speaking in tongues, when you were speaking in tongues and when uh, Miss Misty was speaking, it was, uh, you know how you hear the Holy Spirit in your heart and you can kind of hear him like in your thought voice? You know, and it kind of sounds like your own thought voice, but it's his. That's how it was. I could hear your voice, but I could hear him whispering, in a sense, and telling me the translation of it. Now, I've never met him before. They've never met before, but they're describing the same experience. Okay? This, should be a, like, this should be an affirmation for this body to also begin to receive him and his gifts of interpretation. That's probably why the Lord's doing this. Okay? Um, very cool. Um, let me, uh, thank you. I'm going to go and grab a seat. You guys think... Give them a round of applause. Uh, no. Uh, the reason I, I do that, it, it just, again, to bring people up front, I'm putting them on the spot. That's not a very kind thing to do to people, but I, I want to honor them for, for doing that for me, so I appreciate that. Um, Ashley, I want to ask you a couple questions. How long have you been uh, moving in the gifts of the Spirit or even aware of the gifts of the Spirit? Um, almost two years of, in January. January would be two years. So prior to that, you had never been exposed to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. No, actually, before that, I was in a church that taught against the gifts of the okay. Spirit. How long have you been interpreting tongues? Um, a month. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I, was, I became aware of it when Michael asked me to come and interpret tongues. I didn't realize I had that gift. 
And then he started speaking in tongues, and I started laughing because the Lord is funny because I heard all English when he spoke. Um, so I guess, it, I don't know. Now, what happened was a, a little over a year ago, I taught a class on this very thing, and I just asked if anybody understood. And several people actually got the same thing, and Ashley was one of them. But it never occurred to her that she had that gift, okay? but it occurred to me. So uh, when I was going to teach some classes over at the upper room, I asked Ashley to come and pray with me beforehand because I felt like we needed to pray and have some interpretation, uh, but I also wanted the Lord to confirm to her that she had that gift and so that we could begin to use it publicly. Isn't that cool? So here she is, and she's describing an experience that someone else in your body is also experiencing. The Lord is, is, is very gracious to you guys right now. You realize that? He's very, very gracious. He's, he's affirming that there are gifts here, and, and he's calling them forth. So again, this all, and I want to warn you guys, this needs to take place under the authority of your leadership. I know, I know it's, it's very exciting and zealous of all. We want to all get our shot up front and give people what we've got. But it's, you don't need to attain that on your own. It says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him into the presence of kings. Now, I'll tell you, I've seen this hands down. I've seen this so many times. Just being faithful with your gift will bring about opportunities of influence. God will exalt you for being faithful with your gift. I literally got to take my gift all over the world this summer, and I got to meet with people very high up, very influential people. I was at the Vatican this summer. I got to meet with uh, with the president of the charismatic Catholic fraternity. I have no idea what I was doing at the Vatican. I didn't even go there with that intention. But next thing I know, I'm at the Vatican meeting with this guy. And it's all because of the gifts that God has given me and just being faithful with it. Now, I didn't have to push myself into that situation. I was invited. Okay? When you are faithful with your gifts, you will get invitations and God will exalt you. Now, if you try to attain it on your own, then you're going to have to maintain it with your own power. Good luck. Okay? This is all very important. Um, thank you, Ashley. You guys give her a round of applause. She drove all the way out here to do this. Uh, I'm going to pray, pray, and then we're going to close. We're going really late. I'm sorry for a lot of you who have kids and, and couldn't stay for the entire thing, but uh, I appreciate you sticking with me. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been so gracious to this body. Um, uh, we just bless you, Lord. I pray that you continue to establish your throne in this place. He's enthroned upon the, pe- the praises of his people. This is a house of worship where his throne can take place and execute his justice and give gifts to men. I pray that more and more people would come to know the gifts that you put inside of them. No one is giftless. No such thing as a giftless Christian. So let this be a great time of discovery and continue to pour out power in this place, impartation of power. Pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus.